points in the health system. Welcome to the Tippis podcast. The Tippis project. In certain situations, a climate system can reach a tipping point, where it suddenly changes permanently into a new state. This can happen when a threshold is met, like if the temperature goes beyond or below a certain value. A good example of such a situation is a tipping point we presumably only just missed a hundred years ago. Actually, the climate did not change at that point. Instead, it remained in the same state it had been in for thousands of years. And we would probably never have known how close we were to shift into a permanent new climate state if it wasn't for a climate model called Climber, which you, Andrei Ganopolsky, and your colleagues at PIK Potsdam in Germany have been working with. Tell me which change in climate was it that we just narrowly missed before the industrial influence of the climate system kicked in? Yeah, this was so-called uh, glacial inception, so transition from the relatively warm world in which we live now to uh, ice age, which happened many times over the last three million years. And uh, so our modern results suggest that we were very close to this transition or this bifurcation point, or as we name it now, tipping point. But we just naturally missed it uh, because of uh, peculiar orbital configuration. And orbital configurations, that's uh, what the, yeah. wh- how the, the Earth is going around the sun and how it's tilting in space and stuff exactly. like that, all those kinds of things. But we almost went into an ice age, but just missed it narrowly. Yeah, we were, say, very close to that uh, during about last thousand years. But uh, about 100 years ago, when CO2 started to grow, we start to move away from this point, And therefore, we can talk that we missed it already in the past tense. So we really missed it. We are not going to cross it in the uh, foreseeable future. If this change, if the climate system had changed its path, you might say, and walked down the path towards an ice age, at that time. Would would that have given us a different kind of climate today, do you think? Yeah, it would be developed quite slowly, but we would see it uh, by expansion of glaciers, and now we see opposite in the mountains. The climate will start to cool gradually, it will be more sea ice. Of course, it will take maybe thousand years to develop fully, but uh, even on a shorter time scales, we would see uh, well, development of climate in precisely in opposite directions than we see it now. Even with the human contributions to uh, to the atmosphere, you think? No, with the human contribution, we now uh, went so uh, away from the natural state that we can we don't need to be concerned about new ice age for a very long time. So, but our finding was that actually this happened even without human contribution. So we should not thank, so to say, uh, humans for burning fossil fuel to prevent an ice age. So at least our modern results suggest it was absolutely natural. It was just because parameters of Earth is were such that we narrowly miss this uh, bifurcation point. Okay, so, so it's by all natural means we did not go into an ice age and we would have stayed out of it for a long time. What's, what does your model say? When would it naturally have come back? Yeah, naturally, we would expect that we stay away for another 50,000 years. 50,000? Which is, of course, very long time. And this, uh, what is interesting, never happened in the past because in the past, these intervals between ice ages were much shorter, 10, 20,000 years. 
But uh, now, again, because of this peculiar Earth orbit, we are on the safe side for 50,000 years, even without anthropogenic uh, influence. So we are in a very unusual interglacial, very unusually long yeah, one. Surprisingly, it's some people have problems to believe in that, but it is something absolutely unusual which did not happen at least during the past million years. And with human contributions, what, what, what's the scenario then, according to your model? And with human contribution, even with, even with relatively a moderate CO2 emissions scenario, which is probably will be, so to say, will happen, uh, this interglacial, so stay out of ice age, can be extended of up to 100,000 years. And a uh, larger amount of CO2 emission can postpone uh, new ice ages for much longer time, maybe half a million years even, which is, of course, time scales which are not very relevant for humans. But this is what models says. You might uh, hear some cars in the background passing us and maybe you can hear people talking and doors slamming and stuff like that. We, we're sitting just outside Institut Henri Poincaré, the uh, Henri Poincaré, I think you would say in English, institute in France, in Paris, actually. And uh, you're attending a meeting, the cheapest meeting, and uh, I just dragged you outside for this interview. But I understand that these ice ages, I mean, it's like there's a triggering point where, where the climate either, either develops into the path of an ice age or does not. And then what happens after that is not as important as the triggering point or the, the tipping point, you, as you call it, the bifurcation. Yeah, as soon as the world uh, plunges the um, ice age, uh, it is a very stable uh, new state and the ice sheets continue to grow for a very long time, for uh, 60, 80,000 years, and this happened... Uh, at least 10 times over last million years. So uh, this is a new. That's why we can consider this transition to ice age as an irreversible change, although on a much longer time scale. So eventually, nonetheless, ice sheet melts, and this happened quite uh, rapidly. What is it about the model that you use, this climate model, that makes it possible for you to find these tipping points? One of the problems with studies of tipping points that it requires, a, so to say, to run model for a very long time and to with different parameters. And actually, climber model was specially developed to be very fast, computationally very efficient model. And therefore, with this model, we were able to perform sufficiently long experiments and many experiments to really to trace what is what's called the face portrait of the Earth system. So, I mean, to find more or less precisely where these different uh, tipping points are, and we found not quite a number of such tipping points, actually. How many? System. Oh, well, I would say maybe about 10 for different components, for ice sheets, for the ocean circulation, for vegetation. For So this, this, this is very rich behavior. And uh, actually, quite recently, people did not realize that the Earth system could be such strongly nonlinear and to have so many uh, trans irreversible transitions. Mm -hmm. But this uh, model that you have, which is, I, I suspect, it's a little bit more crude. It's uh, it walks in larger steps, you might say, than than finer uh, climate models can identify these uh, things. So it means that climate essentially either goes one way or the other, but always from points where the path is like chosen. Well, yes, we definitely have a model which is simpler than the most sophisticated models. Well, we believe that it makes. A useful job at least and uh, yes yeah, 
Probably uh, there's even different possibilities. It may be that system can start to oscillate, so it's still not, uh, I mean, the transition from one point to another is not necessarily the only possibility. But yes, there is a number of cases when, when we cross a certain uh, threshold, system really experience more or less abrupt uh, transition to a new state uh, and will stay in this state for, for a long time. So that's probably quite typical for our system. I think that originally you started working with this model, trying to find out how an ice age suddenly ends. Did you find that with this model? Yes, of course, the main challenge, uh, and this was really interesting scientific problem, was to understand uh, these big glacial cycles which occur over the last million years. They last about 100,000 years, and there are many mysterious facts about these glacial cycles, in particular the fact that the ice sheets are growing, reach very large size, when they should be in principle stable, but suddenly they vanished within 10,000 years, which is for humans, of course, long time, but not for ice sheets. And we try to understand mechanisms which can cause such a abrupt, again, relatively abrupt, return from glacial state to uh, present-day type interglacial states. And uh, yes, we at least were able to model successfully the last glacial cycles, and we identified a number of factors which contribute to this rapid relatively rapid deglaciation, so transitions from ice age when ice sheets reached Berlin and uh, south, uh, big lakes and great lakes in the United States, and then vanished within five to 10,000 years. Yeah. What are these tipping points? I mean, physically, what, what, what triggers an ice age and what triggers an interglacial? Well, as far as entering Ice Age are concerned, then it's a bit easier because we believe that this is summer insulation in high latitude. So if you have less energy coming from sun, this would lead to glacial inception. So this is quite quite straightforward, but because insulation oscillates with period 20,000 years, it's not clear why these glacial cycles are so long. So they're about, their periodicity about 100,000 years. So each... Uh, this end of glacial cycles occur every fourth or fifth this period of oscillation changes. So that was really a mystery, and uh, we found at least some processes which can explain that. One of these processes, by the way, is a rapid growth of CO2 concentration during the terminations of glacial cycles. And other factors were also related to strong nonlinearity of Earth system because ice sheets they have the steeping points, as we know mm-hmm. now for sure. And these big ice sheets become uh, became unstable when insulation start to grow. But for this, ice sheets really should be very large. So what we found is paradoxical fact that big ice sheets are more unstable than the smaller one. Also, oh, the, the the more it grows during the ice age, the more vulnerable it becomes if the if a little bit of heating starts. Yeah, so indeed, ice sheets, uh, it's like a self, <laughs> self-termination process. So till they are not very small, they still uh, grow most of time, but after they cross really a certain thresholds, which we can even, uh, because we have observational, or we have paleoclimatological data, we know the threshold quite accurately. It's about 25 million cubic kilometers, whatever this number means. But after they become larger than that, next growth of insulation will likely kill them, so they're becoming really vulnerable to insulation. So that's not... Uh, yeah. yeah, that number, 25 million cubic kilometers, that's like, that's that that's the same as 100 meters of ocean, right? Yeah. It's, it's the 100... Yeah, the drop in the ocean, yeah. Okay. Okay, so we missed this one, and uh, but of course it might be more interesting today when we're changing the climate. 
if whether you identified any tipping points that we might be close to and where we might pass the thresholds just because of this uh, extra CO2 we're pumping into the atmosphere? Well, we made studies specifically for Greenland ice sheets and this study suggests that we are uh, very close to this threshold, which is probably about two degrees global warming. So after, if temperature will exceed, global temperature will exceed this threshold, then Greenland uh, will eventually melt uh, irreversibly. This, this is not fast process because, of course, ice sheets are very large. They have a, a very large time scale. But, uh, but this threshold is probably one of the closest thresholds to which we are located now. So we are either cross it already or very, very close to it. Although, as I said again, because it will take a long time, it would take thousands of years at least to melt Greenland ice sheet, so therefore, of course, it would be not uh, maybe seen within this hundred years that we, uh, it's not clearly seen that we cross this threshold, but at least in accordance with modern results, we are very close to this threshold. Do you think you will know for sure how much can you press your model? Can you get better results from it? Will you be able to tell politicians, will you know more accurately that this threshold has has got to not be passed, do you think? Well, this is precisely the task of uh, TPS project. So uh, within this project, we are going to uh, do similar studies to what we've done already, but with improved models. And of course, also we are going to benefit from collaboration with other groups, which use different types of models, in particular also high-resolution models. So therefore, um, we have a reasonable... Uh, a confidence and uh, at the end of this project we will uh, have a more reliable results more accurate maybe or at least more reliable and of course we will um, uh, convey this information to politicians well of course we know that this process is not uh, necessarily I mean very easy uh, or so, so successful but uh, definitely from scientific point of view we will do our best Tips. The TIPIS project has received funding from the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Programme and a grant agreement number 820970.